Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Now, today, I want to teach us someone entitled, Designing the Signs Given by God to Fulfill Your Destiny. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because I always tell people that you have one life. And having one life means you have one shot. You have to get it right. You're following what I'm saying. A hundred years, two hundred years to live is a very short time. But yet, it can be so enough. Even two years are enough to write your mark on the earth. Jesus Christ, three years of ministry, but up to today, the whole world is still calling on that name. Why? Because he was marked. He understood the things of God. He patterned himself of some sort and understood how he ought to navigate through this walk of life to serve God fully and fulfill that which God had created him for from the beginning of the earth. Of course, there was enduring of many things, the Bible says he suffered many things. And for such, he became the captain of our salvation through suffering. Hallelujah. Yes, we have people who have no bearing at all when it comes to mandate or assignment, who don't care or even understand that they were created on the earth for some sort of work by God. That there was purpose in why they exist. And that God intends to do things through them to change this world. They have a destiny. But he has done live, eat, and breathe. Of course, science has brought many ideas on the origin of man. And because there is no God in there, life becomes meaningless. And we have no standard of morality because there is no moral giver. That is why the world believes you do what you will. Whatever gives you peace and makes you happy, whether it's right or wrong, is your life. But I believe that God has a plan for all of us and there is that person who created the whole earth. It takes so much <laughs> blindness for a man to doubt that there must be an intelligence behind our existence. Somebody shout amen. And so we come on the earth and God starts to define our destinies, instruct us, then eventually, he starts giving us signs. And these signs, in many cases, are milestones on the course of our destiny as a form of remembrance of things he has spoken on our lives in the past, present, or the things he has commanded in our future. And so we start this life and we're given clues through these signs. 
because many of us don't understand how the signs of God work, we either provoke God to do our own way of sign or become indifferent to the signs of the Spirit. And many of us have erred greatly. And right now in the biggest mistakes of life, because we miss the signs that could have redeemed us, healed us, restored us, changed us, transformed us, and propelled us to the next place where God wanted us to be. The Bible says in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 12th chapter, the scribes and Pharisees come to Jesus and they want to confirm whether he is what he says or assumes to be. And so they ask him to show them a sign from him. If you read the Amplified Version, if you read from verses 38, they ask for a sign to prove whether he is what he claimed to be. That's what the Amplified Version says. Prove that you are what you claim to be. Bible says he answered and said to them, verses 39, an evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And it says, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the world's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater one than Solomon is here, and they do not hear. Now, I want to go deep so into this portion of Scripture so you understand what Jesus is saying here. God sends him as a sign for the redemption of mankind. God shows him as the answer of the suffering and the damnation that we had from the beginning of the earth, from the fall of Adam and Eve. And then he walks among them. He teaches among them. He does many, many signs to prove that he is sent from God. But the Pharisee and the Sadducee still want more and more and more and more signs. Why do you think they want more and more signs? This is why. Because in their mind, they are not ready to subject themselves to the sign God has sent, but they would rather He works according to their expected signs so they can believe that Jesus Christ is who He claims to be. And we have many people in the world to whom God has given signs concerning instructions on your destiny, on your life, on your career, on your dreams, on your inventions, on your ministry, on everything, on your marriage. He has given you so much. But you fleece God every day because you cannot take the sign He gives you. You would rather you condition the nature and kind of sign you expect such that He has to come and fit into your revelation and understanding of the sign you expect of Him for Him to become God. So you have two worlds here. You have where God will send a sign that they will not understand 
And then you have this other group of people which will fleece God to ask for signs, but with their own interpretation and expectation of whatever sign they expect to be so they can believe God. That's fleecing. Let me give you an example. Somebody's seeking God for their next step in career. They have two jobs that have given them an appointment letter and they are hired. And so they are torn between two jobs. They're saying, should I go to this one or should I choose that one? Now, if you are a good listener, there are signs that God will send to help you understand His will. But if you are a poor listener, if you're not able to discern and see in the Spirit like you ought, some of them instead fleece God into defining their own sign for God to do so that they can believe that this is either the will of that job or not. And that's why we get it wrong. Because there even Satan has the legal right to make appearance of the sign that you have asked for because you have broken out of the ambits of truth and the patterns that govern divine oracle. So you see a person who says, for example, Father of these two jobs, if this is the job that you want me to take, let the MD of that company call me tomorrow at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Hello? Yes, this is Mr. from this company. I was just checking on you. I hope you consider our offer. Uh, yes. Why? I asked God for a sign and he showed it. Uh, okay. So I'll see you. God bless you. Ha ha. I hung up. Then this person goes out fully confident that there is just no other way. It wasn't God because you asked for that sign and he what? Gave it to you. And I have seen people who have received those signs when the devil himself is the one who has planted them because they do not know the truth. And perhaps this person was supposed to consider job A, not job B, where they fleeced God because the sign for job A, they could not discern, they could not read, they could not understand. Because they cannot understand it. They missed the sign of God concerning job A. And when they went in prayer, by God, because he has already sent a sign and they are not able to believe or receive it, what is it to do except let them be according to their own ignorance? And then eventually they go for the wrong job. And then you find people like, but God told me, but God showed me. Why am I struggling in this job? But God revealed to me himself in this issue. Why am I struggling in this marriage? But God told me about this thing. Why am I struggling in this foreign land? Yet God showed me numerous signs that are supposed to be in that nation. Huh? Was it the signs you gave for condition for God to show you or did you really receive the sign from God? Did he begin the work of showing you the sign or you began the work of asking for a sign and defining in your mind what sort of this sign should look like? Because your expectation in that realm sometimes draws the place of your carnality, if I may say, and ignorance concerning truth or some even last. There's somebody who is married right now and the Lord spoke to you about your marriage. And then there's another crazy person who still thinks you're their wife, even though you're married. Do you understand what I'm saying? They are still convinced even though you're married, you're still their what? Their wife. How do we help such people? 
Because you see, some of us ignore the signs of God and set our own signs. And in our own lusts, the devil has set deception on our way. And we call them signs from God. So you ask yourself, okay, if this person indeed received a sign from God, how come the things of God are not working in this which appears to have been led by God? Look at the children of Israel. They are asking for a sign. God gave a sign, but they still are asking for their own kind of sign. He's telling them that the queen of the south shall judge this generation. Because when she heard from the wisdom of Solomon, she came all that way with gifts and royal bounty to the king because she knew or had heard that there was a man which was wise. And she sat under and received of the wisdom from Solomon because it was not just usual human wisdom. There was something distinctive about that wisdom. Now the Bible tells us that one with greater wisdom is here. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees still question the authenticity of this person. Yet, if they knew how to read the signs of the Spirit, the wisdom coming out of Jesus was enough to introduce Him to them. It was enough sign to introduce Him to them. This man was speaking things that were not usual. He was speaking with such an authority. The Bible says he spoke with such an authority and not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What does that mean? It meant that they would speak like normal people and apply wisdom in the ways of Judaism. But when this man spoke, there was a power, there was an authority that came with his voice. Paul calls it in Colossians, stirring up in the hearts of your hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. He was not speaking because he knew how to connect words. He had wonderful semantics and he was a good orator. No, he was speaking with a certain authority that everything that came, came with visions and visions and visions and revelations and revelations and revelations. This man spoke from eternal thought. And Matthew is saying, it was enough sign to believe him. But no, they want to sign their own way, even though there is a way. There is already a very clear sign. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's before them. Remember, was it Pilate? He comes to Jesus and asks him, what is truth? What is truth? Truth is standing before him. But he's asking truth, what is truth? Because there's so much blindness that we can carry, even in the assumption of what we call knowledge. I have seen very ignorant people claim to know God. And I've seen people who don't seem or appear to know God, but they really do know God. They carry the mark of men or women which walk with God. Because the wisdoms of this world are brought to nothing. Paul says we don't teach the wisdom of this world because it is brought to nothing. But we preach the wisdom of God. And that wisdom of God compares spiritual things with spiritual people. The Amplified Version says. And this is the wisdom, he says, that was hidden from the devil and his cohorts and the princes of this world. He says, for had they known this wisdom, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan does not know Jesus. He doesn't know him. He doesn't know him. You would not have crucified him. His head told him that if he crucifies this man, that would be the end of his ministry. It only spells to mean that this man did not know who Jesus was. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so we find ourselves sometimes with very clear signs by passing us. 
And because we are blind from how God speaks, we start to ask for other signs. And God says, you are evil. You are wicked and adulterous. Now, the word the adultery, what is adulterous there? That they are transacting with other spirits. They're not transacting only with the Holy Spirit. They're transacting with familiar spirits too. And these things imprint visions on their lives. And they think that those visions are from God. That's adultery. So when you check this man or woman's heart, because of the lasting of their flesh, the pride of life and the lust of the eyes, the Bible says these things do not proceed from the Father. We are taken into admiring things we're not supposed to be admiring. A lasting for things that are not supposed to be lasted for because we lose the true vision of God and go on the way of the vision that have been cast by familiar spirits. Paul speaks of men in the time which started to teach funny doctrines like the worshiping of angels and endless myths and genealogies that were ministering questions in the hearts of the hearers and not a glorification which is after faith. And these men were flattering with indifference, but these looked like they were men of God. They looked like they knew God, but they did not. And then Paul says that such men claim of visions. They put a stand on visions of things they have not seen. So how would a man assume of a vision that he has not seen except that there's a familiar spirit that cast a false vision on his life? Colossians 2.18, he says, Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you are unworthy and disqualifying you from the prize, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he claims he has seen. He claims he has seen, but by God, he has not seen them. A familiar spirit has given them a vision. I know people running ministries on false vision. I know people in marriages on false vision. I know people building businesses and careers on false vision. Why? Because they missed the true signs of God. And out of their own lusts, drew their expected sign and took a light, disregarded, ignored, or could not recognize the sign God had sent. So it is with these guys. This man has come with greater wisdom than Solomon, but they cannot discern that this is him. They're asking for another sign. That's what makes them wicked and adulterous, perverse and indifferent. Because there's something in them that just doesn't see right. Hallelujah. So he says, okay, you're going to receive two signs. One, the wisdom of Solomon. One with greater wisdom is come. Or there's this sign of Jonah. Like he spent three days and three nights in a well, so shall the Son of God be. If they don't believe the wisdom he's giving them, let them wait for the crucifixion, death and resurrection. If they won't believe the wisdom by which God speaks through him, let them wait for this man whom after they have killed will be raised from the dead and maybe some believe. And indeed the scriptures tell us that some believed after the resurrection. It was a sign of Jonah. He says that if they doubt any sign, let them look at the crucifixion, death and resurrection. That is why some religions in the world do not believe that Jesus was crucified. He died and was raised again. You see? Now you understand why. Why it's a big deal. The sign of Jonah is a very, very big deal. To believe that Jesus died and he was raised from the dead. That's the greatest sign. Are you following what I'm saying? In the 16th chapter of Matthew, the same people came through again. Again, the Pharisees from verse 1 and Sadducees come tempting him, desiring that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now, at first, 
it was a sign from himself to prove what he claims to be. Now they can't get that. In just a few verses later, they say, okay, let something from heaven come. You can see how they're thinking. And then Jesus, the Bible says, he answered them and said, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. All you hypocrites, he says, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked, again, he calls them, an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it by the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed from them. Why? He's saying there's already enough sign. God has given the sign, but you require a sign. When it came to the coming of Jesus Christ, his ministry on the earth, his death and resurrection, all of that was marked by the sign God sent himself. Even through the prophet Isaiah, the Bible says in the seventh chapter, the 14th verse, if you read from the Amplified, the Bible says, when he's speaking of the coming of Jesus Christ, he said, therefore, the Lord himself is telling Israel, shall give you a what? A sign, behold a young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and we shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. God had already spoken by Isaiah the clear sign that this person born shall be born by a virgin woman. Israel knew, most of Israel knew that Mary did not have this child from Joseph. I believe people in the neighborhood knew that this girl was a virgin. In fact, at one particular point, the story tells us Joseph being a godly man, he did not want to ashamed this woman. So he wanted to go away from her privately. That means people in the village told her, hey, that girl is pregnant. Maybe they suspected that some guy was responsible. But they knew how Mary had kept herself. And I'm sure Mary told some people that this womb is not of any. At least if they had read Isaiah and they knew, they would have started asking questions of, could this be? At least assume. At least assume. Okay, maybe we don't believe that that's possible. Let's wait to see how this guy will grow. Study him as a species. You see what I'm saying? Yet, on the beginning, men like Simeon see him and they know already. Simeon looked at the man and knew. He didn't need anything else. He just had the understanding. Oh, my eyes have seen the salvation of Israel. The prophetess, was it Hannah? Yeah. She looked at this man. She was always in the temple. You remember that beloved widow? The moment she saw Jesus, she knew. In their spirits, they had a sign that would tell them that this was Christ. So imagine, there are three wise men, or whatever, how many, whoever they could be, probably the Bible records three because of those are the ones that gave gifts, but you know, theologians tell us they could be more, but they only counted those that gave gifts, okay? There are people from afar who have traveled from the east, okay? And they have seen some sign, and it tells them that that kind of star is for the king of Israel. It's not a usual star. And the angel of God and that star leads them to this man and they bow to him. While the people around don't even know the guy who is born and who he is. They're blind from a sign men kilometers away can tell. Are you following what I'm saying? So many people, many people miss Jesus when he was alive. Why? Because they could not see the obvious signs that were given by God. Jesus was supposed to be a sign given by God himself, not a sign men should ask for. Are you following what I'm saying? So I'm still again here on what you want God to do to prove himself, yet he's saying, no, have you actually eyes and ears to hear and see what I have done to prove myself so? 
Are you looking for a sign according to your terms? Or are you able to see and read in the Spirit to see the signs I have sent on my own terms? Because even the Christ, the greatest gift on the earth, God Himself had to send the sign. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible in Genesis 1.14, the Bible says, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Signs came first, and then seasons came second for days and years. In other words, when you look at the days of your life, the years of life, the seasons of life, they're all built on the foundation of the signs that God has built in our lives to read the things and the days ahead of us. Satan knows this. It's only Christians who don't know. That is why you hear things in the demonic world called your star. What is your star? Some are Scorpio, some are Leo, some are Sagittarius, and all these kinds of things. And if you have noticed, these stars, constellations, have become a language of prophecy. And some of you who used to read those things, you can read your star, you know, and start to realize that some of the things that were spoken on that star were actually true of what you are going through that period. I think some of you saw it. And do you know how many people look at these stars as guiding lights? When they're going to do a business, they're going to open that thing and check, Amalio, why does it stay this week? And then the sentence says, this is not a good season for you to do business. <laughs> and then you do that business and then the business fails and you say, ha, huh, I should have listened to the horoscope. No, you're missing it. The horoscope is the devil's report concerning your destiny. Because when he reads days, years, months, and seasons, he can tell the milestones of your destiny and he can reconcile many things. Job says, let the days speak and let the years teach us wisdom. He knew that there is a wisdom of God, epignosis, that complete and perfect wisdom of God of things ethical and divine that can help you tell your future by reading days and years according to the word. And Satan created a counterfeit. And when he created a counterfeit, because he can read certain signs in the spirit, many of these things for some of you seem so reconciled. And now the devil himself is projecting your destinies. And the end of that is destruction. One day, something will be said. The devil just needs to be accurate all the time. He doesn't need to be true. The many people don't know the difference between accuracy and truth. See, it's like, what makes a prophet true? What makes a prophet true is his foundational knowledge in the truth, not the accuracy of his word of knowledge or wisdom. Because there are many things prophets say that no more soothsayers say. People who carry clairvoyance, they speak exactly like our present day prophets. They can read your names, they can read your numbers, your date of birth, and if that wows you, it's enough. Because <laughs> some people, you just need to tell them, you are so, do you know me? Oh, speak man of God. <laughs> The devil knows your date of birth. 
He also knows the name of your cousin sister and your uncle who died in 79. He even knows your auntie who's suffering from a stomach issue. What he cannot reconcile is the revelation and truth of Jesus to that vision. And we still have many people who cannot hear God. So you need somebody to hear God for you in 2022 when you have the Holy Spirit. A prophet is supposed to confirm what you already know and see by God. For me, I've never found a prophet who has prophesied what God has not already showed me. And I receive it because they are simply confirming what I already know by God. But I should know. Prophets don't shock me. <laughs> Why? Because the Bible doesn't say for as many as are led by prophets. The Bible says for as many as are led by the Holy Spirit. Am I against prophecy? No. Even I personally prophesy. I see. But I'm not the Holy Spirit. No, before I know. No, before anybody knows. How can you be in the world and somebody knows you're going to die and you don't know? Somebody say, I'm matured in Jesus' name. So, I took a journey years ago to study hours, to study days according to the word, to study seasons and times, and I have realized this, that this is one of the most distinctive patterns of positioning yourself in the spirit. You know, people who just see days go by. They just see days go by. They just see weeks go by and months go by. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. Kumbaya. <laughs> God just come by and do something and then go. Until I knock another problem and then God come by, Lord, and then you deliver me and then you wait for the next time I'm in trouble. And then God comes and delivers them and then they wait for the next time they're in trouble. They're living that life. It's not how it's supposed to be. It's not how it's supposed to be. You remember the year I prophesied volcanoes? That year, two visions happened on this particular prophecy. Not the rest, but this particular prophecy when I said you're going to see volcanoes and I said mentioning places. And many of you, I think for the first time you saw a volcano on television. You just used to read them in your geography books. You understand? So of course, how many volcanoes happen in a lifetime, in one year? How didn't the world see that there was something distinct as a sign God was showing us? What did people miss? Oh, some just saw volcanoes and say, ah, oh, the Lord told us there are going to be volcanoes. So you flee. Some of you, the volcanoes happened in places you were not. Then my people came, a few leaders, and said, but what is God telling us? You see? That was the second, the vision within the vision. Ezekiel says, you should ask them, what is the Lord saying? And this was the Lord telling. He was saying that we are at the verge of the next move on the earth. And the Lord told me that there were signs that were going to come in the earth to prove the next visitation. Then he said, you're going to see volcanoes, you're going to see floods, and you're going to see, you know, I mentioned many things. And all of those things came to pass. Of course, you can't just tell yourself a volcano. This is not something you get out of your head. You either have heard God or not. So some of us, 
started to tarry before God as them which were preparing themselves for the next move on the earth. Not just seeing fires and telling people, did we not say so? Some of you were there on the 31st when I told you that a monarch of England was going to die. You remember? And I told you that the history of the United Kingdom is going to change for good. But they did not ask how. You see what I'm saying? And maybe I'm just gaining the boldness to tell you. <laughs> because even I have feared what I see. Are you following what I'm saying? But these are not for us to say, oh, the Lord showed. No, these are signs trying to tell us of what is going to happen in the years to come. Says so that we position ourselves to be relevant when men are not. Others are not. If a man living in the United Kingdom is watching this, there's an opportunity for the church to break out into a revival or die. What is going to happen in the next five to 10 years in the United Kingdom? Either is going to revive that nation or kill it for a long time. And that's the truth, whether they believe it or not. Because the next coming years, you're going to see some of the deepest demonic worships you've ever seen in Europe on that nation. Unless the church prays. Unless it prays. Unless it prays. So it's not in stone. You see, God can send Jonah to Nineveh and Nineveh can repent and God can restore it. Are you following? I started to realize that there are signs that God gives us individually, gives us nationalistically, community, family, and all of these things are spelling something so deep concerning our destinies and require our positionings. But many of us are blind from what God is saying. So if you'll ask me, what are signs? I will define signs from the sacred language, Hebrew. The Hebrew word for signs is oath, meaning distinguishing mark a badge of identity, a monument, evidence, a standard, or a remembrance. So signs could be in form of a remembrance. Signs could be in form of evidence God will give you in the future or has given you in the past to affirm certain things concerning your life and destiny. Signs can become a badge of identity. So it's like the officers. The prophet has an identity of words of knowledge, words of wisdom, designing of spirits. And those are signs that work on a prophet. The apostle too has his own. We're demonstrators of the spirit. We are mighty demonstrators of the spirit. We don't even need to do anything to demonstrate the spirit. Paul says, truly the signs of an apostle were upon me in much patience, the demonstration of power and of the Spirit. So there are things that follow the apostolic. Just follow. You see what I'm saying? And you've seen me demonstrate power. The pastor has his own signs. The evangelist has his own signs. And some people say you can only be one. No, you can actually have three or four. Paul was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to Gentiles. Some people have three. Some people have four. <laughs> There's no such thing as you can only have one. 
They teach that doctrine, but they can't prove it in scripture because the Paul I'm talking about was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher to a Gentile. These were three. So with the teacher comes a certain side. It's a badge of identity. And as you continue to grow in God as a minister, some of these things continue introducing you into deeper realms and ranks as you continue to grow in this and understand the signs of the Spirit. Do you know that as you continue to grow in God, certain signs will be sent and the voice of God will come as an affirmation of your next phases in life, your next graces of operation, your next level of ranking. I've seen these things through my life always. I see them through. And in some instances, God will put a mark with you or among your people. And some of these things he can tell you, for example, that from today, this you'll start to do every time or every year, every three months or every four months. And this can only stand as a sign for you to pass to the next generation that and this. Some signs come with instructions of things to do in different periods and seasons of life. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 13, if you begin from verse uh, 5, I want to read the Amplified. Now, this is Moses speaking to Israel. He says, When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, which he promised and swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty, he says, You shall keep this service in this month. He says, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. That means every year they're supposed to do that. Okay? Unleavened bread, verse 7, shall be eaten for seven days. No living bread shall be seen with you, neither shall be living in all your territory. Verses 8 says, you shall explain to your sons or your children on that day that this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall be, he says, a sign to you upon your hand and as a memorial between your eyes and the law of the Lord on your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt and you shall therefore keep this ordinance at this time from year to year. Now, he gives them an instruction and some of these signs come with instructions for us to repeat certain things in life. And I have things privately that I cannot teach because I don't want people to call them tradition. But they are in relationship with the call of God and the mandate he has placed upon me. And every now and then there are things I have to do in a certain season because the Lord told me to do those things. I cannot teach them as doctrine because I believe that every man is called differently. Neither do I judge a man doing whatever they do because I was not there when God called them. But some signs are going to come like that. And there are signs also that God sometimes can send you to believe your next phase in ministry or life. And those are the most important ones. Those are the most important ones because those are the ones people really miss. I remember the day the Lord told me, I have anointed you to heal the sick. I remember that day. And he showed me a sign. But the sign he showed me was not the healing of an individual or something else that he showed to my spirit. But I knew how to design the signs of God. And I knew that the healing ministry in my life had begun. So I started healing the sick. I started healing the sick. And then, years later, he again came. He told me, now from today, in your next level, you're going to change the mode of how you heal. Now that's instruction. And in a vision, he gave me a sign in a dream. And when he gave me a sign in that dream, with the instruction of the mode of healing, he told me, never ever think from this rank you've entered and onwards that I shall heal because you have prayed. And from that day, he told me, 
you shall simply declare and I will heal. So I understood it that a sign comes in my dream and when that sign came in my dream, I remember from that day on, I never needed to pray. It doesn't mean that if I pray, people don't heal. I've prayed for people, what oh, Jesus heal, and then they healed. But it told me from this realm or rank onwards, you can pray and I'll heal, but you don't need to pray. You just need to declare. You see what I'm saying? So I got into the place of, and many of you have noticed, when it gets to the healing, I say, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing. If you have a clutch, stand up. And you know, probably somebody is waiting for the prayer. And I remember that first miracle when it happened. A barren woman for many years came to me and said, I need a child. And I was standing next to her and I said, go get one. And she said, let's pray. And I told her, I've said it. <laughs> and in about three months, she conceived. So I knew from that day on. And then I remember another time where God started to bring the conversation of special miracles. Okay? Those unique things. Some of you have seen teeth growing, nails, what, what. You know those things. Limbs, what. Now, I also remember the day I had a sign in my vision and in a dream and he spoke very clearly how that was to be. But because I understand the law of interpretation and translation, I easily plugged in and I kid you not, the vision came one night and the next day I could function. Why? Because I know how to receive from a sign. There are people here who dream and have seen God has shown so much, but you're not functioning. There's a pastor with 15 members. But every time they dream, they see themselves in a crusade stadium. You understand what I'm saying? And those dreams are not coming to them because they ate so much food. God is sending signs, but they just cannot connect. They just cannot connect. And some of those signs, that one sign, I've realized that a sign can come and define your mandate for the rest of your life. As in India, sometime, and I was doing a pastor's conference, about 2,800 of them. And then one of the pastors at the end of service comes and he came for prayer. And then he had an envelope. And then he sat with me and said, Apostle, this envelope you see has $50. And these $50, I received it about, I think he said 12 years, plus or minus. He says 12 years, I think I remember like 12. He says, I received this $50 12 years ago when I was in the United States. But this dollar came with a certain instruction by God and it connected me to so much of inheritance, he said. And from then on, I started to look at this $50 bill, not as money, but as a point of contact to something big. But then he said, when I was sitting in this meeting, the Spirit of the Lord told me to bring this $50 to you, not because you need $50, but because you need to speak into the rest of my days to come. So I get that $50 and I hold my hands with this man. Then I close my eyes and then a very clear vision came to me. And I said to him, I see an ocean and on that ocean, there is dry land. And on that dry land, I see a lighthouse. You know those very tall buildings? that had light on top to help sailors navigate their way to certain directions and land on the ports where they needed to land. I think they still carry them up to today. But today they have machines and stuff now. Then I told him, and I see your ministry as a lighthouse on the ocean and it's bringing light to the ocean and the ocean is so dark 
and I see ships, passenger, merchant ships coming to you. So I start to speak into his life and destiny. So this man is weeping and I don't know why. So at the end of prayer, he gets his phone and tells me a few months ago, God showed me a picture in my dream and instructed me to put it on the wall of the stage of my church. And when he opens that phone, there was a lighthouse standing on an ocean beach, lighting the ocean. Are you following what I'm saying? The instruction of that which God had given to him through a dream and he had put on the wall of his church, I realized that he had the interpretation, but the interpretation was not full. And me seeing what I'm seeing, God has given me a full interpretation of this man's assignment mandate. And I spoke so many things before I prayed for him. In just one meeting, a man's destiny by a simple sign was defined and his mandate was brought to clarity because he had connected to the sign God gave him months ago and he received it and in humility obeyed even that which seemed to be simple. He did not know that one day God would confirm it in such a mighty way. Now, if he had just dreamt it and left it and forgotten, perhaps the forgetting of that simple dream might have costed many years to be redeemed concerning his destiny. Many people miss the simplest signs God has sent because they do not know when he speaks. That is why one of the art if any of us should learn, you must learn to listen. And I've realized humanity doesn't struggle to listen. It just struggles to listen to the right voice. Otherwise, if you want to know that you listen, examine the thoughts that come to you and are too stupid to just have come from your mind. So if you can hear the devil speaking, if you can suggest something so stupid, and you also say, eh, devil, leave me. Now, if you're struggling to get him out of your head, how come you struggle to hear the God who dwells in you? Are you following what I'm saying? I have a beloved friend who lost a lot of money and almost died. And they came for prayer. And when they were speaking, I realized that they were missing the most important point. How did they miss it? Some witch doctor deceived them and convinced them that he was a man of God. How could they miss it? I was not judging them. I was just trying to show them that some of us or many of us, the hearing of God is a matter of life and death. The Bible says we hear the voice and we leave. When they hear the voice of the Son of God, they shall hear and shall leave. But some of us, even our spirits are noisy. We hear so much and we speak so much with our spirits that anybody who hears in the spirit just needs to sit with you two minutes and they can already tell your thoughts. You're so bare and naked in the spirit realm. The people have sat down with two minutes. I'm like, oh, oh, go away. Something's wrong here. <laughs> I thought life is dead. They receive from every sound. The Bible says there may be many voices in the world, but there's none without signification. But if I know not the meaning of the voice, if I know not the meaning of voice, why do you think people have depression? Why do you think people are suffering from bipolar, split personality disorders, schizophrenia? There's many voices. 
They hear voices many people are not able to hear. And we have healed many through prayer and wisdom. You just need to calibrate their minds and help them hear the right voice. And their mind is restored. Because what doctors can do is just give them drugs and drugs and drugs and drugs to calm some of these voices. But they don't take them away. They keep speaking. Are you following what I'm saying? So some of us, our spirits are so loud. How do you know that your spirit is loud? You can't concentrate in prayer. That's how you know your spirit is loud. You cannot concentrate in prayer. Even if you sit down for two minutes only, five minutes, woo, your brain flies to France, comes back, goes to Monrovia, eventually goes on the front line in Ukraine and takes over Carson and then comes back and, oh, and somebody's in the middle of prayer. But you even imagine the person who annoyed you. And then you imagine how you can punch them. But you're in prayer. Then you imagine when they're in a car accident, they are falling and then they are dying. And then you say, hallelujah. Finally, she has died. Like your spirit is too loud. I've been with people, you pray and you can literally pick what they're thinking and you're like, eh. Quiet your spirit. Quiet your spirit. Quiet your spirit. Because God speaks most in the silences and in the rest only faith can take you into. Because the way of faith only reveals the true experience of rest. The Bible says, they which have believed have entered into rest. If your spirit cannot rest, it cannot connect to the silences of the spirit. And if you carry no silences of God, you can only hear him through thunder. You can only see him through fire. You can't hear the still small voice because he might send a thunder, but he's not in that. If you remember the baptism of Jesus, while a voice is speaking from heaven, the Son of God in whom God is well pleased, the Bible says, some which were there just had a thunder. And it's true they had God, but they only had God in a thunder. So it's relative to say you hear God because you can hear God and still miss out on very potent marks of instruction. So you learn to silence your spirit. Do you know there are people who cannot sit for one hour in the presence? They can't. And some of you, it's been years since you last voluntarily went into the presence without some circumstance or condition throwing you there. They're chucking you. And then you say, let me go and seek the Lord. <laughs> Somebody showed you an internal memo and they told you the people they were going to what? Fire. And then you saw yourself on a list. And you said, let me go for Fanero. You're right now in the presence, but even your legs, you feel like you want to move. You don't know what's wrong with you. You can't even sit in one place, but something is telling you. I even know people, even when they're on the ground, at least they would rather be walking around to here. They can't sit down because your spirit is too loud and it brings in every kind of thing. So some of you, you bring everything in your spirit. If somebody was to examine your spirit, you hear God and the devil alike. And so you get so mixed up and then hear the wrong instructions in life. And then you examine yourself and you see your life every day is crumbling. I told people, the voice is so expensive. When Abraham had God, what happened? His destiny was changed. When Jacob had God and encountered him and his name was changed, his destiny was changed. He fathered the 12 tribes of Israel. Every man in human history who has had the opportunity to hear God, something remarkable has happened with them. Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Zerubbabel, Ezra. Read all 
all of these men. Paul is on his way to Damascus and a light comes, brighter than the sun, yet it was noon. Blinds him to give him the true sight of the Messiah. Because that's the only way he can hear right. Because when your sight is convoluted, it means you'll have a wrong stand on your hearing. And then Paul started to hear God. That's why the Pharisees hear Jesus, but they don't understand him. <laughs> they don't hear like they ought. These men loved God. They sacrificed their lives and went into the teaching spaces of Jerusalem. They invested so much to know everything. Paul tells you he was a Jew of the Jews, circumcised on the eighth day as of touching the law, a Pharisee, as of touching the righteousness which is in the law. The Bible says he was blameless. He had all the credentials to qualify him for a hungry man. But like the Bible says, the zeal was there, but not according to knowledge. So it's people who serve and love and do everything for God. But they don't see the results of serving God because the voices they hear are delusional. You just need to hear God once and your life will change. And when you start hearing God, that's how shocked you are at how many people don't hear God. Because anybody else would have opposed Jesus, not the Pharisee, who had mosaic teaching in his hand. Not the Sadducee, who could read the prophets, who had the Torah. Because Jesus says, all of these things testify of me. How can you be so blind? Are you following what I'm saying? From Moses. Moses testified of this man. But they read Moses and disqualify the same Christ. Not many people in the world really hear God. And today, the portals opening spiritually now, familiar spirits, and they are speaking so loud and they're accurate. And so today, we see so much of godly form in the church, but the fear of God has departed. We carry no fear of God, no honor for his word. You can see the wars in the church. You can see the indifferences. You can see how men discuss the anointed. You can see the disrespect and dishonor. You can see the divisions. You can literally realize that many people, they've lost the fear of God. And some it's been decades since they really had the voice because they cannot separate the voice of mandate and assignment from the voice of gifting. The voice of gifting is prompted within the gift, not from God. And the voice of the gifting, like the character and nature of a gifting and calling, it is without repentance. That voice can speak whether you killed a man last evening or you didn't. And we justify maturity on the giftings that we see on men because a blind man has seen or a deaf ear has heard or a dead man is raised. Then we say that the Lord is with him. These are simply signs that follow them which believe. There's a realm beyond believing. It's called the wisdom of God. That's why the Bible, in the completion of this Jesus, the pendulum is Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. Now we're living in a generation where many men who demonstrate power cannot justify or be justified or be vindicated by the spirit of godliness that should come with the very wisdom of God. So somebody is doing miracles, but they don't carry the wisdom of God. When they speak, you don't see that they actually know God. Why? Because the voice of the gifting is different from the voice of the mandate and the assignment. And being gifted and called, I mean you are assigned or mandated. Who understands what I'm saying? 
Open your mouth and let's talk to God. In the secret, the quiet place In stillness you are there In the secret, the quiet hour I wait only for you Cause I want to know I want to know you Want to hear your voice I want to know you more I want to touch you Want to see your face I want to know Stillness, you are there. In the secret, the quiet hour will wait only for you. Cause I want to know you more. Tell him I want to know.
sound of my voice even as I pray for myself. Lord, sometimes we have missed you and devised our own wheels and ways and chosen our own path and conditions to mark us, to identify us, to build monuments, to bring signs in our lives. And we repent today. May every sign we walk with or will receive only come from you. And may what you send be enough. I feel led by God to pray for somebody who knows that you know that you know that you know that you missed something so pivotal in your destiny. And you can tell because the Spirit shows you. I'm living witness that many times I have broken before my God and asked to be helped in the times where I miss the signs that I should see. And every day I get better. Because there is one thing I don't want to miss him. And I pray for that person who feels that they missed God in something, someday. Tonight I'm praying for the grace and the power to restore you. And I hear God say, I'm going to send that sign again. So I pray that when he does, that you'll not miss it. And that when you find it, may he restore the years that were eaten by the cankerworm, the caterpillar, the palmer one. May God bring back everything you lost through that indifference. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Something is happening. Power of the Holy Ghost. Father, we receive everything you've told tonight to calibrate, to align us. And with these distinguishing marks, are settling on men right now. I see somebody. God is marking you for your next step of ministry. Power of the Holy Ghost. God is consecrating you. He's separating you. He's positioning you in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're sick in your body, receive healing. If you're bound with anything, be free in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever you've been struggling with, I command it to leave right now in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a miracle of praise. Now, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you say today, Apostle, I want to be born again, repeat these words after me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord 
and Savior. I'm born again. I give my life to you to change it forever. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.